Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, we have the historical description of the Apostle Peter discovering that a Gentile can actually be saved without first becoming a Jew. This was a very important revelation in the history of the church, and it was very important as the evolution of the gospel was taking place. In other words, people were discovering over the course of time the true meaning of the gospel, what the gospel really is, the good news of Jesus Christ, and how it can be applied in our daily lives in a very practical and real way in light of what Christ Jesus has already done for us. But given that Peter was given this incredible revelation, it is also important to realize that Peter did not really go very far with this revelation. What I mean by that is that he did not go out into the Gentile world to reach out to the Gentiles. For the most part, he stayed within the region of Jerusalem. He did travel a little bit here and there, but he really did not go out into the Gentile world in order to reach out to the Gentiles with the message of the gospel. That's not something that he really did. And so while the Lord revealed within and through Peter that the Gentile could be saved, Peter did not actively evangelize the Gentiles, not to a very significant degree. It was the Apostle Paul who reached out to the Gentiles who came later. But the Apostle Paul was not directly influenced by Peter. The Apostle Paul received the revelation that a Gentile could be saved, directly from the Lord Jesus. Just as Peter received this revelation, so also the Apostle Paul received this revelation, but he received it differently. This was described by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, beginning in chapter 1, verse 11. This is Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11, where he wrote, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions." But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him fifteen days. He's referring to Peter. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. This is the testimony of the Apostle Paul, that he went 
into the northern regions where he just simply waited until what we have described in Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 13, which is when he begins to become involved in the church. It was Acts chapter 13 that he actually went out into the Gentile world to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But again, the gospel that he was promoting, the gospel that he was preaching, was a gospel that was not revealed to him by Peter. It was a gospel that was revealed to him by the Lord Jesus himself. I think this is very important to note, especially when you consider the fact that Peter had been given the testimony that the Gentile could be saved, but he really didn't do much with it. It was only the Apostle Paul who did something with that testimony, and yet the Apostle Paul also had to hear it directly from the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 13, we have the description of Paul going out to conduct his first missionary journey. Beginning in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And they sent them away. They sent them out into the world to go and proclaim the gospel. Now, as Paul went into the world in order to proclaim the gospel, what's interesting is that he actually starts with the synagogues. Wherever he goes, he starts with the synagogues, and then he branches out to the other people from there. Why would he bother going to start in the synagogues? Well, the main reason why he would go was because back then, the synagogues had not really heard the message of the gospel first. Now, today, things are very different. When I would travel into a new area after I discovered that Jesus was the Messiah, I would go to the synagogues myself, and I would go there, and yet I wouldn't go there for the purpose of preaching the gospel. I was there for other reasons, and when I would go there, I would go there and recognize that the people considered themselves to be a people who did not believe in Jesus. They did consider themselves to be Jews, and they were part of the synagogue, but effectively they assumed an identity as a person who did not believe in Jesus. That was very important to them. It remains important to most Jews within synagogues today, and so it's not really productive to go into the synagogues to try and reach out to them with the gospel, with the message of the Lord Jesus, because they've already heard about Jesus. Many of them have read parts of the New Testament and have considered some of the claims of the Lord Jesus already, and they have rejected him as the Messiah. And so to go to the synagogue to introduce to them something that they already know about is just simply not going to be effective. That's not how we can effectively reach people today. But back then, Paul was going into the Gentile world. He was going into the synagogues that were a part of the Gentile world, and they had not yet really heard the message of Jesus being the Messiah. They may have heard rumors of him, but they would have not heard the real full gospel as Paul would have had an opportunity to present to them. And so because of that, at least one time he would be able to go in and convey something to them. Then they could either believe it, receive it, or they could reject it. And in most cases, the people in the synagogues would reject it. However, there were some cases where people would receive it. It was quite convenient to go and speak with the people in the synagogues first because they were already there assembled for the purpose of talking about the God of Israel. They were already there to talk about the principles and the truths that are revealed within the scriptures about the living God. And so because of that, it was very convenient for Paul to go and speak with the people there in the synagogue because they were already there to talk about the scriptures. Paul could use that opportunity to talk about the Lord Jesus within and through the scriptures so that they would have an opportunity to hear the gospel and perhaps believe if they chose to do so. 
So it was a wonderful opportunity. I believe Paul took that opportunity whenever he would go into a community, and then when the Jews kicked him out of the synagogue effectively, then he would go and reach out to the Gentiles. Now, what were these synagogues doing there? I mean, why were there synagogues in the Gentile world? This is a question that really needs to be asked. What were they doing there? Well, the synagogues that were established within the Gentile world were primarily established for the purpose of reaching out to the Gentiles. It was not just a matter of Jewish people living in Gentile communities and then they have a local community center where they can all assemble and be a family together and have some fellowship together because they have something in common. That wasn't really why those synagogues were established. The synagogues were established for the purpose of reaching out to the Gentiles with the blessing of the Mosaic Law. They were there for the purpose of ministering to the Gentiles to present to them the Mosaic Law, to present to them the Pharisaical way of life, the interpretation of the Mosaic Law, to give the Gentiles an opportunity to live in obedience to God and therefore be blessed by God. And the main motivation for this was the blessing that was given to Abraham. It was believed that through reaching out to the Gentiles that they would be able to bless all the families on the earth with the blessing of Abraham it was assumed that this blessing was the giving of the Mosaic Law so that people could be blessed if they live in obedience to the Mosaic Law. That's what those synagogues were established for. And so when the Apostle Paul would go into these communities, first speak to the Jews in the synagogue and then go out to the Gentiles, it would be very interesting to see the response of the Gentiles to this Jewish person who came in to tell them about the living God. When the Jews in the synagogue rejected the message of the Apostle Paul, that was one thing. But when the Apostle Paul went into the Gentile world and the Gentiles were starting to receive his message about the living God, about the God of the Old Covenant, about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, when the Gentiles started to receive the message of the Apostle Paul of Jesus being the Messiah who fulfilled the law and the prophets as described in the Scriptures, when the Gentiles would start to listen to the Apostle Paul and believe his testimony, believe his message, his gospel, well, then the Jews could easily look at the Apostle Paul with a sense of anger, with a sense of frustration, because the Jews were there for the purpose of reaching out to the Gentiles. And yet the Gentiles were not being as responsive as the Jews would like them to be. When Paul comes on the scene and he presents his gospel to the Gentiles, they are very responsive to the message that Paul is presenting, that would present an opportunity for the Jews to be very angry with the Apostle Paul, not just because he was telling the Jews about the gospel. That was easy to deal with. All they needed to do was tell him to just leave the synagogue, go somewhere else. They are not interested in him anymore. But when he is effectively ministering to the Gentiles, and he is effective in calling them to the living God, they believe in the living God, they start studying the scriptures, then there is a significant opportunity for envy, there is a significant opportunity for anger and frustration because they would look at Paul as a significant competitor to them. And because of that, the Jews were very aggressive about trying to get rid of the Apostle Paul, trying to get him out of the area, trying to get him out of the community, because he was effectively reaching out to the Gentiles where they were ineffective in reaching out to the Gentiles. It wasn't enough for them to just simply go on their way, continue what they were doing, 
allow Paul to do whatever he wants to do. It wasn't enough to just do that. They also found it necessary to try and interfere with the ministry of Paul because they could see that he was being successful where they were not. This was described in Acts chapter 13, verse 42, for example, where it says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And so some of the people who were Jews, some of the people who were devout proselytes, which means that they were Gentiles who converted to Judaism, who were in the synagogue, were very interested in what Paul and Barnabas had to say. And other Gentiles who had not converted, but who were there, perhaps just listening to the words that were being communicated, looking for something interesting. Maybe they were bored. Who knows why they were there? But they were there, and they also wanted to hear more about what Paul had to say. And then in Acts chapter 13, verse 44, it says, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Now, again, the synagogue was established for the purpose of reaching out to the city to present to the city the word of God. And now Paul has come on the scene, and the entire city, just about, almost the whole city, finally comes to the synagogue. Now, this is an opportunity for the Jews to really show their character here in the synagogue. They can either believe the gospel, or they can reject the gospel, that's fine. But the pride within them about being unsuccessful in reaching out to the city is going to surface. This is described in verse 45, when it says, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And that's the end of Acts chapter 13. And so this is a very important transition that happens in the early church. First, the Apostle Paul goes out into the Gentile world. He reaches out to the synagogues who were established in the Gentile world for the purpose of reaching out to the Gentiles. And he used them as a, as a stepping stone in order to reach out to the community He conveys the gospel. Some of the Jews believed. Most did not, apparently. Many of the Gentiles believed. And then, in response to the people, the Jews who did not believe decided to intervene. They decided to actively interfere with the ministry of Paul and find a way to get him out of town. Again, it was because of envy, because people were listening to Paul and not listening to them. That's an important message that is conveyed here, because this happens even to this day. I find this happening all the time in the ministry that I do. When people start seeing that other people are listening to me and not listening to them, there's always this opportunity for envy to be developed. 
And quite often it ends very poorly. Quite often they try to find some way to ridicule me or or make false accusations against me, do all kinds of strange and bizarre things just because they're envious. That's what happens. Happens all the time. It happened with the Apostle Paul. We shouldn't be surprised if it happens with us even to this day. This shouldn't be surprising at all. And this becomes a consistent theme throughout the ministry of the Apostle Paul, where he goes into a community, he reaches out to the community, he is effective, and once he is effective, then part of the community finds a way to get rid of him. And you know, what's very interesting about this is that when he leaves, when he leaves, he leaves people behind. It was not as though it was a waste of time. You know, some people would look at that and say that it's a failure of some kind. The great missionary Paul would go into an area, he would tell people about the gospel, and then he would be run out of town. You know, many people would look at that and they would say he was not successful because he didn't establish a real church, he didn't appoint elders as he should have, he didn't disciple people for a long period of time. He did appoint elders in these churches later on, he certainly did do that. However, many people would look at this and say that he is a failure because he was run out of town too soon. He didn't stick around long enough in order to effectively minister to people like perhaps he should have. He didn't start a church building project. He didn't leave some megachurch behind him where he would go and establish a new one. The churches that he did establish were just simply home fellowships. They were small groups of people who would meet in homes, in their own homes, and they would meet there in order to encourage one another and grow more in their understanding of the Lord Jesus. But it was not like they would go out and build some new facility or they would rent some facility and have some major worship center of some kind. That was not what the Apostle Paul was doing. He would go into an area, he would reach out to a a small group of people to who he could reach out to, who would listen to him, and then he would be there for reasonably as long as he could, and then he would leave. And then, of course, he came back through in order to see how people were doing, how they were growing, and he would encourage them as best he could. He would write letters to them. We have those letters available to us now in the scriptures. That was what the Apostle Paul did. And the fellowships that he started were small. They were very small groups of people, half a dozen people or so at a time. And those fellowships grew, and the message was communicated from one person to another, to another, to another, to another. The Apostle Paul was not considered to be the primary preacher, the primary pastor, and everyone would always listen to him, and everyone depended on him for their maturity. It was not like that at all. It was very simple. Paul would go into an area and reach out to who he could, and then he'd move on. And today, the message of the gospel is communicated in a very similar way. happens all the time. There are many people who are actively integrating within our society, who go into one community, go into another community, usually because they're trying to find work, or they're changing jobs, or they're upgrading their jobs, whatever it may be. They travel around. People go, and when they go into a new environment, they go with what the Lord has given to them. They reach out to a handful of people, and they minister to a handful of people, and they communicate to them what the Lord has revealed to them. And it has an effect in their life. It has a direct effect in these people's lives because they hear a truth that is important to them, and it sets them free, if not completely, at least in a small way. And this has a very profound effect on their life as they begin to grow in the truth that is revealed and begin to experience the freedom that the Lord has for them. And they begin to turn to the Lord in a greater way to depend and trust in Him, to know Him more. 
And that is something that happens all the time today from one person to another person, regardless of what kind of personalities or positions or churches or whatever we establish, ministries of any kind. Those are wonderful organizations that have an important purpose, and they do fulfill the purpose for which they are established for. But that is not the only way by which the Lord is reaching out to the people here on earth. He is reaching out to people still today, one person at a time, from one person to another person. It is a very effective means of communicating the gospel and should never be discounted. Now, when the Apostle Paul returns, as described at the end of Acts chapter 14, he returns from his missionary journey with what we would consider to be credentials. He has gone out into the Gentile world, and he has effectively communicated the gospel to many people. And some of the people who he has spoken to have believed in the gospel, have believed in the truth that has been revealed through the scriptures, through the Apostle Paul, that the Lord Jesus has saved many people. And many people's lives are going to be changed as a result of the ministry that he was involved in. And so word is going to get around that the Apostle Paul has effectively established many congregations of people throughout the Gentile world as a result of his effectiveness. He's going to have some sense of credentials, some credibility to many people that he would not have had any credibility with before. For example, in the church in Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul was just an individual who believed in the Lord Jesus. However, the church in Jerusalem really didn't want to have much to do with him. The church in Jerusalem was aware of his conversion, and they were aware of his attempt to reach out to people in Jerusalem, but then he left and went up into Tarsus, where he remained for many years. And so the people knew of him, but did not really consider him to be a part of what they were doing, either because of fear that maybe he was not really telling the truth when he converted to Christianity, when he converted to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they may not have really believed that he was actually a convert. Over time, they may warm up to him a little bit. But either way, the Apostle Paul was not really looked at as an apostle. It wasn't until he was actively involved in the church that the message that the Lord our God had revealed to him was presented to the world. And through that, many people believed in Jesus, and so he became an active participant in the ministry of sharing the gospel to other people. And because he was effective, because people were listening to him, the early church is now going to have to deal with him to a certain extent, especially because the message that he was communicating was not the same as the message that was being communicated in Jerusalem, in the church in Jerusalem. The message that Paul was communicating was very different. Now, it wasn't different in the sense that Jesus was the Messiah. It was different in the sense of, now that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, how are we going to live? How are we going to live now? In light of what Christ Jesus has done for us, what are we going to do? The predominant message that was conveyed by the church in Jerusalem was that now that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, now you should be more enthusiastic towards living a life of repentance and obedience to the Mosaic Law. Paul, on the other hand, said, no, that is not how we live today. That's how we lived before, according to the Old Covenant. But now there is a New Covenant, and with the New Covenant, we now live on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. We now live by trusting and believing and depending 
on what He has done for us and being thankful for what He has done for us and enjoying what He has actually given to us. And our maturity is a is an experience of discovering what we have in Christ Jesus and how that can be applied in our life today. Those were two completely different messages. One message was on the basis of now you're going to live a life of obedience to a system of law defined by works. And Paul was saying, no, now you live on the basis of faith, on the basis of what Jesus has done. Those were two completely different messages. And at the end of chapter 14, when Paul returns to Antioch, we then transition into the beginning of Acts chapter 15, which is when the first real confrontation really takes place. A real confrontation between the message of the church in Jerusalem and the message of the Apostle Paul in the Gentile world. It was here in Acts chapter 15 that the real confrontation took place and there would have to be a reconciliation of some kind with regards to the differences between what the church in Jerusalem was promoting and what the Apostle Paul was promoting. And this was described in Acts chapter 15 verse 1 where it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. This is where things got started. They got started when the people came from Jerusalem, they came down from Judea to speak to the brethren in Antioch, to begin to speak to the people in the Gentile world, to try and help them, to try to encourage them to become more mature believers. And the core message that they seem to present is, if you're not circumcised yet, you definitely need to be circumcised. It was here that the first confrontation occurred, and it was here that Paul was encouraged to go to Jerusalem to actually confront James and discuss this with James and Peter and John and the other apostles to see whether or not Paul should be teaching the same stuff that they are teaching. And that should be a clue to you to indicate to you that the church in Jerusalem, the other apostles, had not quite matured in their faith in the same way that the apostle Paul matured. Now, if I came to you and I said, now, I'm glad that you believe in Jesus, but I want you to know that you definitely need to be circumcised, otherwise you cannot be saved. I would expect you to look at me and say, you know, Aaron, that sounds pretty good, but I honestly believe you need to mature a little bit in your faith before you would consider yourself to be an elder in the church of any kind whatsoever. That's what I would expect. Well, if that's the case, then you should consider also the people in Jerusalem, the apostles there, that, while they certainly may believe in the Lord Jesus, they certainly need to mature quite a bit in their faith. But I am out of time for this broadcast, so I will continue with Acts chapter 15 in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 